This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting from the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. You can also subscribe at patreon.com slash districtsentinel. You get all sorts of bonus content and you get a haiku written for you read on air. We're going to read some poetry later on in the show. It's becoming increasingly clear that Jeffrey Epstein was an agent. Authorities found a Saudi passport in a safe while they were uh, searching his compound or whatever. And the Saudi passport was of him, to be clear. It wasn't like someone else. It wasn't like a, a Saudi passport of someone else. It was like him or... It could be preparation for him having to go on the lamb suddenly or something like yeah. that. I think it listed Or it his... could be an agent. Yeah. <laughs> I think it listed his uh, residence as being in Saudi Arabia, which uh, he... So Acosta was asked at his press conference whether or not Epstein was an agent, and he he wouldn't answer it directly. Yeah. Does, does, does this all point to signs that he was an agent? I don't know. I don't know. But you were saying this whole thing has the feel of something that would happen in a collapsing empire. Yeah. People have been beating the drum of Donald Trump being racist as like some sort of distraction. But, and and that's obviously ridiculous. The answer is he's just racist (laughs) and his, you know, he acts the way he does because that's who he is. But around the time of this Epstein stuff, I got to say, the people who are saying the president is trying to distract you from stuff might be onto something a little more. I mean, there are allegations that the president assaulted a girl in, the, mean, in the Epstein mansion. So yeah, add that to the 20 other allegations against the president. True. But that, I, I, I guess with this, when, with, with Bill Clinton being involved, too... Uh, we got to take them both down, and he knows that if they get closer to Bill Clinton, they get closer to a guy like him. I don't know. I don't know. Twitter proving to be pretty influential despite all the dweebs. You're like, Twitter isn't real life, folks. Twitter's not real life. Well, some of the biggest stories over the weekend took place on Twitter between the House Democrats' tweet attacking AOC's chief of staff. You alleged, Sam, that this had to have been a drunken tweet that they're just desperately standing by the morning (laughs) after. Uh, Also, Trump's reaction to uh, these tweets, firing off his most racist tweets to date, basically telling AOC Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and Ayanna Presley to go back to the countries they came from, even though three of those four women were born in the U.S., the other one, a U.S. citizen, but came to the U.S. at 12 years old as a refugee from Somalia. Trump today logging off and coming out to the Rose Garden and doubling down on all of this stuff, basically uh, saying that Ilhan Omar was anti-American, anti-Israel, anti-Jew, claimed that Ilhan Omar praised Al-Qaeda. He uh, reiterated that she and others should go back to where they came from. He was asked if this message... If it concerned him that this message is appealing to racists, to white nationalists, 
Trump said no, he doesn't care because a lot of people agree with him. Also, some interesting comments of Trump saying that if he loses, everything is going to crash, which, yeah, it's pretty standard Republican. Like, if you don't vote for me, the economy will go down. Democrats will crash the economy. But perhaps Trump signaling that, like, there'll be a capital strike if someone <laughs> like Bernie wins. Also, I think that uh, Trump has just fueled so much speculation uh, since he's been in office. I mean, we, we see what the stock market's like. We, we hear all these reports about corporate debt underwriting and how the market is just flooded with just loose money everywhere. So I don't know. It, it, it could be any old Democrat spooks these fucking uh, coked up bankers, but I think Bernie especially <laughs> will spook the hell out of them. Speaking of Bernie... Uh, the Republican National Campaign Committee has decided to make things a little easy for us here. They evidently think that it's a master stroke to uh, stoke infighting with the Democratic within the Democratic Party. So they have registered and are maintaining a website called SocialistShowdown.com. Sounds tight. Where, where basically the 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 homepage is a, a photo of uh, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and Bernie Sanders, and also uh, Lenin and Fidel <laughs> Castro are also in the uh, image. How can I donate to Fidel and <laughs> Lenin? How do I elect Lenin to Congress? Well, evidently, by giving money to these challengers, and they list all these uh, challengers. One of them is Joshua Collins, who we had on the show. He's challenging Denny Hexseat in Washington's 10th. The RNC but, is trying to funnel money, funnel your donations to left-wing candidates to try and own the Democrats. Like, it's incredible because some of these candidates sound pretty good, and they're they're clearly using their own uh, campaign language to promote them. A lot of Bernie Kratz, people who are not getting much attention in their primaries against uh, traditional Democrats. So it's lefty a, podcasts it, out there could use this, use this as a booking tool to find guests to book on their shows who are, if they're interested in knocking off centrist Democrats. It, yeah, and that's a good point. We obviously haven't gone through each of these candidates and, and examine them thoroughly. This is how honestly, the Republican Party took powers. The yeah. extremists <laughs> were elected at a local level and that started influencing policy up through, up through Congress, crippled the Obama administration, and now we have Trump. Except the extremists on the other side of the spectrum, of course, uh, just think that healthcare is a human right rather yeah. than child concentration camps are yeah. good. Yeah, the, these are good extremists here. So anyway, Republican self-owning. We used to see this sort of thing from Democrats about how like Hillary was thrilled that Trump would run or that he would win the nomination and Bill Clinton encouraged Trump to run and all this crap. And uh Republicans evidently learned nothing from Well, that. Democrats still are self-owning. Beto O'Rourke, <laughs> with his latest campaign gimmick, announces uh, that he... What's his wife's name? Amy. Amy. That he and Amy had just learned that their ancestors owned slaves. 
he I don't think he's released his second quarter uh fundraising <laughs> numbers yet and the, the the reports are due today. So they're going to be public soon. Everyone's going to see what Beto raised in the second quarter and this is obviously just a rude like he this is this is the the cry of a dying campaign. <laughs> Interesting strategy, Beto. Let's see if it pays off. All right. I've got a dog on my lap. It's Monday, July 15th, 2019. Here's the news. The Trump administration is pushing yet another initiative in its racist anti-immigrant agenda. Officials said tomorrow DHS and the Justice Department will unveil a new rule aimed at shutting down asylum seeking by Central Americans. If enacted, the proposal would force people transiting through Mexico to apply for asylum there first. Specifically, it would bar from asylum anyone who, quote, enters or attempts to enter the United States across the southern border after failing to apply for protection in a third country outside, end of quote. Of course, the proposal is subject to legal challenges, and one is definitely forthcoming. The ACLU put out a statement saying, quote, this new rule is patently unlawful and we will sue swiftly. A top lawyer for the org's Immigrant Rights Project accused the president of, quote, trying to unilaterally reverse our country's legal and moral commitment to protect those fleeing danger, end of quote. The Trump administration has already tried to shut down asylum seeking through a remain in Mexico policy, which would force applicants to stay in Mexico while their cases are being heard. The policy was struck down by a district judge as the Hill noted, the Ninth Circuit has allowed it to stay in place while the challenge is being litigated. Here's something to keep an eye on, an impeachment vote upcoming in the House. Representative Al Green called together reporters on Monday and promised that before the end of the month, he will bring another impeachment resolution against President Trump and force a vote on it. To tolerate bigotry when you can do something about it is to perpetuate bigotry. I'm a member of the House of Representatives, and I, as a member, can do something about it. Each member of the House of Representatives can bring articles of impeachment to the floor of the House of Representatives. I'm here today to tell you I intend, again, to bring articles of impeachment to the floor of the House of Representatives. I will do so by the end of this month. Before the end of this month, there will be another vote on the floor of the House of Representatives to impeach this president who has demonstrated clearly that he is unfit to hold the office. This will be the third time that Green has forced an impeachment vote against President Trump. There's been one in each of the prior two years. Green is unlikely to succeed, but it will be interesting to see how tight of a grip Pelosi, who is adamantly against impeachment, still has in our caucus in the wake of the Mueller report, heightened focus on border concentration camps, Increasing racist vitriol from the White House, all things explicitly cited by Al Green in his press conference. We are the people who will determine what the standard of proof is. There is no standard of proof that any of us must adhere to. Uh, there is no requirement that it be guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. No requirement of clear and convincing evidence. No requirement of preponderance of the evidence. The requirement is each member decide for yourself based upon your conscience and what you believe, whether or not bigotry and policy emanating from the presidency is impeachable. I believe that it is. I believe we can get 218 people to agree. But if 218 people should not agree, let them do what they may. I will do what I must. 
Already, Green has drawn more supporters to his cause. Back when he did this in 2017, he got 55 Democrats to vote in support of considering the impeachment resolution. In 2018, he got 66 members, all Democrats, to support him. This time, he's likely to at least pick up another Republican vote with Justin Amash coming out in support of impeaching the president. Although I could see Amash be a twerp here and say, oh, well, we haven't gone through the proper channels yet and not supporting it. But who knows? I expect it to be higher than 66, which is the number that Green got last year. Also, if uh, Amash does vote for impeachment, technically he's not a Republican anymore. So he, he, he would not be... A Republican vote for impeachment. He would be that another true. vote, You're but right. he that would not true. be a Republican. And th- this also wouldn't necessarily lead to an actual impeachment vote. This is more of a procedural vote uh, that Al Green can force a vote. Republicans will then put a motion to table the resolution, and then that is the vote whether or not to proceed on to the impeachment resolution. Right, right. Well, one can't help but think that Al Green has a better shot at this uh, passing bringing it up immediately after the second time the tr- uh, the president has made a nod to white nationalists <laughs> at a news conference. Yeah, it's good it's timing right good now. Good timing for for the Al Green for the Al Green motion here. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin gave a press conference today. Sex Having Steve addressed the ongoing review of Facebook's cryptocurrency proposal. He said, "Quote, they and others have a lot of work to do before they get us comfortable." Mnuchin cited concerns about Facebook crypto being used to launder money. Later, the Treasury Secretary addressed other issues. He was, of course, asked about the president's racist tweets, saying, quote, I don't find them racist. Mnuchin was then asked about the looming need to raise the debt ceiling, something Congress needs to do so the U.S. government doesn't default on debt payments. And here's what the Treasury Secretary said about department forecasts and the August recess for Congress. But once we agree to spend money, we have to pay for it, and the credit of the United States government is the utmost importance. So the debt ceiling has to be raised. One of our scenarios triggers a problem the first week of September before they get back. So I have urged Congress to raise it before they leave. So the administration needs a favor from Congress. It needs the debt ceiling raised. The president's top staffer, Mick Mulvaney, once famously led a House Republican effort to refuse to raise the debt ceiling to extract concessions from President Obama. Democrats are now, of course, in control of the House and could use the same tactic to demand concessions from the Trump administration. Say, for example, if, I don't know, they wanted concentration camps closed. But according to Mnuchin, it seems like Nancy Pelosi has zero interest in playing hardball. The Speaker and I uh, have been speaking regularly. I expect to speak to the Speaker again later today. Uh, I think I think there is a preference on both parties to the extent we can agree on the debt ceiling and a budget deal, that that is the first choice. And I think we're, we're getting closer. They're getting closer. <laughs> if there was ever a time for Democrats to engage in debt ceiling brinkmanship, it's now. With the economy at close to full employment, with a fascist piece of shit in the White House, with fucking concentration camps open, with a presidential election just 16 months away, now is the time to try to do these sorts of things. But if Democrats did that, they might be accused of being hypocrites. (laughs) And we know that that is the most fatal 
attack you can deliver on a politician you can never it's decimated the republican party decimated as you can see they are not in power of any institution of government at the moment because they acted so hypocritical over the years doing things like demanding that obama cut the deficit and then running up huge deficits well if it's one thing that uh voters don't like its uh, morality if it's one thing they do like it's people not being process hypocrites when it comes to being consistent or exerting power always choose power Plus, always choose power like, that's my advice for democrats right now it, it's not even hypocrisy like it's a process thing it's not even hypocrisy you're trying to ugh, anyway finally there's long been lingering doubt about integrity on the EPA's scientific research during the Trump administration, now there's more proof to back up those doubts. The Government Accountability Office is out with a new report exposing deep ethical weaknesses at the agency when it comes to choosing and appointing new advisory board members. The law allows for the creation of these advisory boards packed with non-governmental appointees who offer input and oversee research and policymaking within the EPA. Due to concerns about corporate influence on the advisory boards exerting its influence on the agency, the EPA is required to adhere to strict processes for appointing members to these boards, including financial disclosures and background checks and a written rationale for the inclusion of any candidate. Well, J.O. found major flaws with two of the EPA's 22 advisory boards, and surprise, surprise, they were the ones that oversee air quality standards and pollution, the Science Advisory Board, which is EPA's largest advisory board, and the Clean Air Scientific Advisory Committee. The GAO reported that in 2018, EPA staff did not document the rationale for proposed new members, as called for by federal regulation. The GAO also knocked EPA for not thoroughly reviewing financial disclosures of advisory board members. A quarter of the disclosures reviewed had not been signed and dated by an ethics official, Probably means they were just never even looked at. <laughs> EPA's Office of Ethics also did not periodically perform audits or spot checks to ensure the reliability of the disclosure reviews. All of this taking place at a time of great transition for these advisory boards. The makeup of their membership notably changed in the years after Trump took office, with the number of academics on the panel being reduced from 36 down to 22. Industry members increased from three to five. Mm. Also, five new individuals from the consulting industry were added to the panel. Beautiful. And the category for others, others. were increased as well. There's more others now <laughs> working on these advisory boards. That very scientific category of others. Yeah. Also, the board used to be people who sat on the board used to hail from different regions of the country, fairly evenly distributed. Now the board, half of board members all come from the South. Cool. Normal. <laughs> Louisiana, known for its uh, I adherence to good, good environmental standards. That's uh, insanely good. That is your newscast for today. Before we go, we have some poetry to read. All new subscribers on Patreon get bonus content. They get the newscast every Monday through Thursday, the full newscast, and they get a haiku right on air. This is for Gemma. Trump fans in D.C., please move out of the city. Not a joke, just go. Thank you 
Gemma, and thanks to all the new subscribers, patreon.com slash district sentinel. The listener rant line is blinking. Let's hear what one of you have to say. The philosophical question, fellas, is would I sell out like Nancy Pelosi? Maybe. Early in my career, I was tempted by the dark side, the easy money, but it was really fucking cultish, rather forced. I'm a goddamn rebel, and I say fuck this shit. These days, I give what little money I have to the good guys. AOC, Omar, Rashida, and of course, you know, Bernie. There are more Justice Democrats being announced every week. Check them out, fellas. A little exposure should, you know, do some good. And, uh, yeah, everyone listening needs to donate a dollar to Mike Gravel today. Uh, there's something called Google that will fill you in. <laughs> Peace. Thank you for the call, Keister. Gravel did it. They hit their 65,000 donor mark. The nightmare scenario there is they let Gravel into the debate, but the draw happens and he's not on stage with Joe Biden. <laughs> that would be... They're, they're, they would rig it that way. I promise you. I mean, ugh, that would suck so yeah, much. That would really suck. I was just thinking about it, and I thought if I, if I were in high school right now, I I would like to think that I would be a Gravel supporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, like, yeah, it's. Uh, I know the teens have gotten a lot of shit online, some sometimes deservedly so, but they ultimately did good work here in uh, creating a movement to get Mike Gravel on the debate stage, whether or not. You know, you, it's a he will be. Or not. We're going to be on the road when that debate's happening too. Will we? I think so. When is the next debate? I believe it is while we're on the road. Roughly two weeks from now. Okay. But I can. I'm sure we'll find some way to watch it. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, July 30 and 31st. So yeah, that's uh, we're, we will be on. We'll the road. be in Jacksonville. We're performing. Oh no, Chapel Hill on the 30th. Uh, now. Oh, there goes the autoplay on the uh, CBS article I yeah, just I think we're, we're in Chapel Hill on the 30th, so maybe we'll be uh, watching the debate as we perform live analysis of the debate. Ugh, probably not. Okay. Too bad we're not going to be in North Carolina where we could catch a college basketball game or something. Yeah. Well, the season hasn't quite started yet. No, it's far away. Thanks again for the call, Keister. Take his advice. Learn more about these uh, other left-wing candidates running against establishment Democrats. Of course, the place you can start is the uh, RNC's uh, <laughs> Socialist Showdown <laughs> website. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Thank you to the sponsor of the show, the Congressional Dish podcast, hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. The newscast is back tomorrow. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.